Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for tonight's program. We are made by this God. We are made to worship. We are made to worship. We're created to worship. And until you do, you cannot possibly know what the real world is like. You cannot possibly know why you're on this planet. If you move in church circles, you'll be familiar with the concept of worship. But if you had to explain it to someone, how would you go? Some might argue that we all worship something. Is worship something that involves just your mind? Is it just reflected in your actions? Or does it go even deeper than that? Tonight, Dr. Corbett begins a brief three-part series titled Made to Worship that seeks to answer those questions and more. First up, Made to Worship with Our Minds. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, without you, we can do nothing. Some of us have come into this place today really unsuspecting, unaware of what you can do, unaware of what you're about to do. Father, some of us have come in with, with a growing longing and longing and aching in our heart for more of you, more of your presence in our lives, more of what your Holy Spirit can do in us and through us. And Father, today you can catch people off guard. You can take people who were heading in what they thought was a direction and you completely detour them and ultimately they will look back and say this is the path I'm meant to be on and and you can do it today so Lord I pray have your way in Jesus name amen amen I want to take you through over the next three weeks a short series on worship I, I just think this is really important and and I hope that by the end of this morning you can join the dots between what we've heard and I hope that we learn as we are settling into our new sanctuary that that we can look beyond it and look past it and that we can realize that this is all nice and it's great but ultimately it's it's us coming in to connect with God together is that right want to connect with God together and I'm, I'm not here to impress you I'm not going you know I haven't got quotes from some of the great thinkers of Christianity with what I'm going to say this morning I'm just going to use some scriptures and and, and while generally most people say, thank you, I learnt a lot today, you may not say that, and, and I want you to hear my heart again in this. My heart isn't to teach you something you don't know. My heart is to remind you of something you almost certainly do know. And my heart is then to move you to do something about it. One of the, the sad things is, as Jim Collins has said, is that we, we think of worship and we think of our Christianity and our faith in Christ as something that takes place between you know, certain hours of the morning on a Sunday, and that's where we leave it. And we hear people talk about their religious idea is, is a personal, private matter. Jesus does not want to be private with any one of us. Our faith in Christ is never meant to be a private matter. When the Lord taught us to pray, the very first word he used was a together word. You know the Lord, what we call the Lord's Prayer? What's the first word of the Lord's Prayer? Our. Not my. Our. And I think there's something very humbling required to be a worshipper. And, and it involves the I part of me, the me, the my. And that takes humility. I think that we can go through life and we can try and do life my way. 
I'm setting my five-year plan and I'm doing this and I'm charting my course and I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other and I think that only can only lead to frustration. It can only lead to frustration because you're not meant to live that way. Jim Carrey is an interesting actor. He starred in one of the saddest movies I think I've seen in a in a long time. You know the, that movie where he was the, the, the centre of a, what was called a reality TV program, The Truman Show. And, and he lived his whole life believing a lie. He lived in a world that he thought was the real world and then at the end of it he saw that there was a door in the horizon, like literally a door. It was the door of the TV studio. And even though he'd spent his first 30 years living in a TV studio, Believing it was the world, he walked out through that door for the first time and was confronted with actual sunlight. He'd never seen sunlight. And to his amazement, there was an entirely other world out there. And I think when you're living for yourself, your way, doing it your way, with no reference to how you were actually created, you live in a Truman type of world. And when Christ comes along, he shows you the door. He said, I am the door. And we go through that door and we come into a reality that we were completely unfamiliar with. This is why I hope that we, if you come to Lagana for any period of time, you realise that we aren't just about having great Sundays. I hope we do have great Sundays, but we are also about having great Mondays. And you know what a great Monday can look like? A great Monday can look like you waking up late for work. It can look like you being flustered that you spilt your coffee. I wasn't really drinking coffee at the time. We are meant to worship God in a way that it translates into what we do on a Monday morning. As I said, you, you, you could have a, a horrible workplace to go to. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I'm sure there are people here who hate their job. I hope it's none of the staff here. But I, I, I think that that's, that, you know what, that's just life, isn't it? And I think sometimes you can have the kind of life where, where you've had an argument with your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your sister or your brother or your parents and, and that's life too. But you know what? You can still walk with Christ in the midst of those things. You can still walk with Christ and represent Christ to a world that lives in a Truman Show type of world. They don't know what the real world is. And when you view the world the way Christ wants you to view it, open the door of the TV studio, come in and go, ah, sun, man didn't make that, God made that. Sky, nature, people, God made it all. And your whole world view becomes one in which it's his world. It's not the TV studio belonging to someone. It's his world. Part of the frustration of trying to, if it's, and I, don't, I still don't know if it's possible, have a reasonable, logical, uh, considered, polite, civil debate on Facebook. Has anyone ever been able to do that? <laughs> Sorry, shouldn't have reacted like that. The problem is you, you, we, we end up battling ridicule and just insult and it's just really really difficult to have a reasonable discussion and it was made all the more frustrating for me when I actually had Christians chiming in who were saying we can't impose our views of God and the Bible on people who aren't Christians 
And my response to that at the time was, well, God does. God expects people to honour him. God expects people to obey him. He doesn't say only Christians have to. He expects all people to. You see, when you step out of the TV studio and you step out into the real world, you realise this real world that we live in, it's actually his. We're the tenants. He's not. We are. And even if you won't and refuse to pay rent, you still have to honour him and he still expects you to. And we call all people to do that. And, and that word is this word that sometimes people make it religious when it's not really a religious word at all. It's a set free word. And it's the word repent, which means stop hurtling over that cliff and turn around and come back to the one person who loves you unconditionally. We are made by this God. We are made to worship. We are made to worship. We're created to worship. And until you do, you cannot possibly know what, it's, what the real world is like. You cannot possibly know why you're on this planet. Mark Twain said there are two really important days in everyone's life. The first day is the day you're born. And the second day is the day you find out why. Well, I'm going to tell you why. You're here to please God. And you're going to find great pleasure in pleasing God. You're going to find that your highest delight is in pleasing God. I found that when I married my wife, I am all the more happier as a husband if I please her. I have this attitude where I will say to Kim that when she says, could you get me a cup of tea? I say, I live to serve you. I hear chuckles. I'm not joking. I live to serve you. How many wives would like to hear that from their husbands? Definitely. <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> so we have one wife. Only one? Karen's not here. Karen's not here. We have two. <laughs> I live to serve you. My mission in life is to make you happy. If, you want to, if getting you a cup of tea makes you happy, I will get you a cup of tea. I remember, I, I, I'm, now I'm going to confess that I haven't always lived up to that. When we had Tyrone, he was an utter delight as a baby. You'd put him down at the end of the day, he'd wake up when we were ready for him to wake up. Boys are so easy to raise. <laughs> then we had Ebony. Oh my goodness. At about three months of age, she decided that the floral wallpaper in her room were probably flowers that needed their petals picked off and she was destructive almost from the time she was born and she wouldn't sleep she was just like this there's other people around isn't there where are they let me I want to be with people and and so she would scream at one o'clock you know the expression sleeping like a baby how'd you sleep oh, I slept like a baby that means up at one up at two up at three so these these parents that get to church on a Sunday and their kids run around gym sorry but you, Kathy's welcome to let because, hey man, I know what exhaustion's like. You have children. So I, here's my confession. There was, there was one of these nights when I was so tired from getting up to Ebony. And Ebony's not here, so you know, don't tell her. When. But I heard her screaming and Kim heard her screaming and we both did our very best to fake who was asleep the most. <laughs> I say that to my shame. 
But we are made to worship and worship involves serving. It involves laying down your life. And I know that every Anzac Day we hear the chaplain, the army chaplain, the Defence Force chaplain quote, no, uh, no greater love is any man than this than he lays down his life for his friends. And we, we think of it in terms of taking a bullet for someone. But I don't think that was the heart and intention that Christ made that statement. I think laying down your life for someone, it's easy to take a bullet, sun and dust, it's all laid down my life. But the laying down your life is a continual serving of the other person. It's a continual putting their needs, their interests first. It's continually serving them. Who finds that easy? And it's that kind of service that is wrapped up in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, where it says, therefore. And the therefore is a part of the pattern of the Apostle Paul. Whenever he wrote an epistle, he always gave the theology, the doctrine. And then at the end of it, he said, now don't just think this is just for your mind. Don't just think this is cute theology, just has no bearing on real life. This theology has very practical implications for you Monday morning. Therefore, Paul's saying, knowing that we have all sinned, knowing that the wages of sin is death, knowing that God in his love, he commended his love to us in that he sent Christ Jesus to die for us when we were still yet what? Sinners. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God in Jesus Christ is eternal life. This is called the Romans road. And then in Romans 10, all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the gospel right there. We can know where the handle to the door is. We can be set free from this Mickey Mouse TV studio of a horrible existence and come into reality. And then Paul says, hey, it doesn't end there. It begins there. Therefore, now you can really start to live. Therefore, present your bodies as a living what? Sacrifice, which is your reasonable spiritual worship. And I think it's the New American that translates it as your reasonable spiritual service. Because that's what worship is, serving. When Zoe led the song before, I Surrender All, that is the heart and soul of what it means to worship God, to utterly surrender. So how might we define worship? Because we are created to worship, we're made to worship, we should worship. I don't want you to confuse it. I don't want you to think I go to church to worship for the week. I want you to think I go to church to continue to worship. I'm going to church to worship with my brothers and sisters. This is humility. For many of us, it's sacrifice. For many of us, it means I'm not doing it my way, individual, out in the bush, just me and God. No, I'm doing it with the person I had a dispute with last week because they parked in my church car park space. And it was so immature of them. And they said hello to me across the church foyer and I wouldn't even talk to them because I want them to know that they've offended me. We are called in the midst of all the reasons we justify for not bowing down and serving God. We are to let all that go and to adore him and demonstrate our devotion to him and that's how we might define worship. Worship is our it's an act of adoration and devotion to God. 
The Bible actually, if you do a survey of worship, you'll see that it says you, there's lots of things you can worship. It didn't take long. In, in fact, we get to about Genesis chapter 6 and mankind is worshipping all kinds of things. Mankind is worshipping animals and trees and then starts to make things. And, and what is all this about? It's all about me controlling me controlling if i make this idol this statue this thing i made it it can't tell me what to do it doesn't talk to me i'm in control and the prophet i think it was isaiah said those who make idols become like them because it's made in their image whereas the bible says we're made in god's image and we are to do what he wants which is the essence of pure worship true worship so only God is worthy of that kind of worship you remember in the book of Revelation we touched on it briefly in Revelation chapter 19 we we read this account that John is confronted with a glorious being in heaven magnificently glorious and John's response you might recall is to fall down fall down prostrate you've got to get that word right by the way there's a word very similar to that that does not mean worship prostrate and this this person this being says to john don't do that don't do that you don't worship me you worship god only i am a fellow servant like you worship is due to god only only god is worthy of worship uh, it's, I'm, I'm told, and I'm not exactly sure, but it's quite reasonable if it is true, that the word enthusiasm, en does mean in, it can mean to be filled with, thu can come from the Greek word theo, which is where we get theology, enthusiasm to be filled with your God filled with God God in filled with your God and the question is what are you who are you most enthusiastic about in your life because whatever the answer is that's where your highest worship goes I'm enthusiastic about Jesus I, I, I really am I don't always have my heart exactly right where it should be but I, I always want to act on how it should be and what that means for me is when we go on holidays as a family we don't take a holiday from church never ever ever to me that would be dishonoring to Christ we put Christ first Jesus when confronted with the devil in the wilderness was confronted with a devil who Satan who said if you will bow down and worship me, the very first thing the devil tried to do was to get the worship of Jesus. If you'll bow down and worship me, I will give you the whole world. And Jesus never disputed the claim or his ability to deliver it. But Jesus said this, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And obviously that serve is serve in worship only God is worthy of worship now I know that there are times when you might come in here on a Sunday and here we are I'm telling you we got to get together it's our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name deliver us and so on it's the plurality of worship 
We've got to come together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, don't neglect to come together. Don't let sport, don't let the weather, don't let family functions cause you to neglect coming together because it's worship. And I know that, and please hear my heart in this, I know that there are some people who have family members drop in and visit on a Sunday and you go, well, I don't want to offend them so I won't go to church. And then you'll come forward the next Sunday and say, oh, they really need Jesus. Just pray for them that need Jesus. They really need to receive a witness of of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ so that their hearts can be stirred. Well, can I tell you, they just didn't the weekend before. Hear my heart. I think... This is, the, this is the occasion where you say, hey, great, come up on Sunday. We go to church in the morning. Want to come along? Come with us. Oh, no, I'll wait at home. Great. Well, we'll be away for the morning, but we'll be back straight after church. It'd be great if you came. That's a witness. Worship involves this. And as we think of when Jesus condemned the scribes and the Pharisees for their false worship, he said this, truly, this people honours me with their lips, but their What is far from me? Their heart are far from me. You see, worship has got to be a heartfelt thing. And I just told you before, sometimes I come in and sometimes, you know, my mind is so busy with, let's make sure the technology right. Let's let's make sure that, you know, that that, that the the head usher gets up and opens the door when a mother takes her baby out. Let's make sure that we're all this and all this. And then, and I'm telling you, I'm confessing this. I'm not bragging. This is a confession. Then I'm telling you, there are times that I go, Hey, you may be pastor of this church, but you're here to worship as well, fella. Come on. Come on. Let's work. But isn't that nice when, we, when, when these guys can forget about you and me and, and Zoe on the keyboard. I know Zoe's a worshiper. I hear her in her bedroom worshiping. I hear her going through this music. It's not just music for Zoe. Zoe's a worshiper. I know that. I see Matthew on the guitar worshipping i see these guys i'm i'm so impressed with with uh tom just how he's grown because he's a worshiper it's not just about being a good guitarist it's about i can play this to worship and to help others to worship that's awesome and then to see the guy who hangs out with musicians you know the drummer he see Stephen doing well where's Stephen? there you are there doing great so worship is meant to be an expression of deep love for God. Deep love for God. It's meant to come from the heart. And I think Jesus said it when he said this. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And we've seen that the scriptures say that, that the Father, in the previous verse, the Father is seeking those who will worship him. This is what Jesus said to the woman at the well when she asked the question, where should we worship? And Jesus said, it's not a matter of where, it's a matter of what your heart is because the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So we are told in scripture that our worship is meant to be an expression of love for God and it translates into what we do. There used to be an expression used called the Protestant work ethic. And it it meant this, that worship was your life. So that when you, uh, uh, Peter, you're a designer. So when when you go to work tomorrow and you design, you're designing for Jesus. 
Norm, you're a framer. When you frame people, uh, pictures, you, you are framing for Jesus. Mark, you're a, a bathroom renovator and the like. And when you flush, you are flushing for Jesus. Whatever you do, you're doing for Jesus. You're doing it because, and that's your worship. And this was called the Protestant work ethic. It meant I'm going to work Monday morning because my work is a part of my worship for Christ. My work is my expression of how I love God and I want to worship Him. We are told that our worship is, it also involves what we think. What we think. What if, you know, I don't know how many people picked up or how many people are going to quiz Jim on it, but he said he was reading a book about the intersection of faith and politics, the intersection of how Christ affects how we view politics in society. There's lots of things that I'd like to see a generation of politicians raised up out of this church. I'd like to see the politicians already in this church supported by people in our church. I'm happy to talk to you more about that privately, but I want to see a generation of young people who rise up with a sense of justice that isn't just about taking money from people and giving it to those who are too lazy to work. I want to see a generation rise up who say, we can see justice in industry. We can bring in an ethical wage disparity. You know, we have companies that pay their CEOs literally 10,000, literally 10,000 times what their lowest paid worker is paid. You know, in Korea, they brought in an ethical wage disparity where they had a, a, an ethical wage disparity factor of seven. No, corporations could not pay their CEOs more than seven times their lowest paid worker. Guess what the guy sweeping the docks gets now? Because if you want the big bucks, boy, you better look after these guys down here. And yet we have people in this country, and God bless America, but in America, they are working 60 hours a week and they can't pay rent. That is immoral in a society. I want to see people raised up who go, I'm going to do something about that. And I'm not going to be everyone, there'll be some. And they'll do it because this is how they worship. And they begin to train their mind to be surrendered to God, to worship. We are to love God in a way that affects how we treat other people, how we show care. Have you ever walked past a parking meter in town and seen those parking meter guys about to come and book someone and you've pulled a dollar coin out and put it in and go <laughs> not quite but have you ever done something like that you ever paid you know you go to the counter and say i want to pay for the person behind me as well and just pay you treat people with kindness and generosity and treat people with care and respect i i i hope that we in this church can model to a world that is dog-eat-dog what it looks like to come into a community that's kind and caring because it's a part of our worship of God. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul and to love your neighbour as yourself. We are to love God with our worship by how we praise so let's, let's, please don't hear me say, you know, you can stand there, you know, unmoved emotionally like a cold, wet fish and just think that's worship. Rubbish, it's worship. You can't be unmoved by your love and passion, devotion for God. You can't be unmoved and just stand there and do nothing. 
This is one of the powerful ways that God has ordained for us to worship him by singing, by using our voice, how we praise and how we give. And we use all of these elements in our Sunday service. How you give, what you do with your money, how you budget your money, how you give your money to need that you see, how you support causes, how you spend your money on your own expenses and those that you're responsible for is a part of your worship. In Luke 10 verse 27, it says this, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Can you see how I've just brought those elements in? What you do, what you think, how you treat others, and your neighbor as yourself. And please do not think Jesus is saying you've got to love yourself first. He's saying exactly the opposite. We most naturally love ourselves, Jesus says. And out of that most natural inclination, we are to love others that way. So here's my challenge to you, looking at a verse like that. Let's keep worshipping God. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, good morning, Lord. Not good, Lord, it's morning. Good morning, Lord. And worship him. And worship him in all things, not because of all things, in all things, giving thanks. And let's worship him. Father, we worship you now. We adore you. We want to give you great praise. We want to make you known. We want to adore you by how we live, by what we do, by what we say, by how we treat others. Father God, help us to be a church that knows how to worship you. That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full-length version of this presentation on CD, audio or premium download by going to findingtruthmatters.org and selecting Made to Worship Part 1 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, worship is something we are made for. Who or what we worship is a choice we make with our minds. More on worship next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.